I want to tell you a story this morning. It's a story I bet most people in this room have heard before, but it may not be one that you've ever considered how it applies to your life. It's a story, a true story, found in Scripture, about a friend of God. A man that Jesus' brother James told us is exactly like you and me in terms of his weaknesses, in terms of frailties, in terms maybe in many cases even of his sins. This is one of the most important stories about Elijah. The first time we read about Elijah, he appears out of nowhere and he shows up in the court of the wicked king Ahab. No rain for you, he says. And then he promptly got right out of Dodge, which at that time was called Samaria. He went and lived for a time in the wilderness, and then he went and lived for a time with a widow and her son. But all the while, he was living on the run because Ahab and his wife Jezebel wanted him dead. Tortured to death, preferably. So after three years, Elijah found one of God's faithful men who happened also to be Ahab's personal assistant. And Elijah told Obadiah, go tell Ahab where I am. God wants a showdown. You see, Ahab, because of his wife Jezebel, paid the living for the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. So God sent Elijah to stand in front of these prophets and demonstrate who God is. So this big group went to the top of Mount Carmel, which was the holy site for Baal, and they set up their altars. The prophets of Baal started dancing and cutting themselves and whooping and hollering and crying out to Baal, but it did absolutely no good. What is good is when Elijah is mocking them. Verse 27, At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. Evidently, Elijah is enjoying himself right now because he allows the whole spectacle to continue until the evening. By the way, there are those who won't like this part of the story. Well, that's not very nice, mocking somebody like this. But what you and I need to remember is that sometimes we fall asleep mentally and emotionally and we need to be mocked so that we awaken and realize the stupidity of what we are being told. You must not believe everything you think. You must especially not believe everything you feel. Nayral recently put out a meme that says abortion is a human right. Really? The intentional murder of empirically innocent human persons is a human right? I thought that was bad enough. Two days before Christmas, they put out another meme that says abortion is an act of love. 
Some things are so absurd, they need to be mocked. I mean, you have to have graduated from a university like Berkeley or something to believe something so stupid. But our story continues. Elijah called everyone together. He repaired Yahweh's altar, and he made a prayer that didn't even last a minute. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God and Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. You see, when with this prayer, Elijah wins something bigger than the Super Bowl. Elijah, in climbing Mount Carmel, risked his life. I'm sure that everybody there thought he was going into the lion's den. Everybody, all the people of Israel who came probably thought that they were going to see Elijah roasted on the altar of Yahweh. Instead, Yahweh, the Lord, proves that He is God and that He turns His people's hearts back to Himself. The point of 1 Kings 18 and 19 is found right here in verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that You, O Lord, are God and that You have turned their hearts back. Elijah prays that the Lord, Yahweh, would answer him so that God's people would know two things. That Yahweh is God. Let there be no mistake. And second, perhaps more importantly, that God's people would know that it is God who turns our hearts back to Himself. This is where Jesus comes in. Jesus means Yahweh saves. Wherever you see the Lord, Yahweh saving His people in the Old Testament, you see a reminder. You see a welcome blessing that calls out, that screams for everybody who's paying attention. Jesus is coming. And He will turn your hearts back to Himself. Jesus is going to wear the same skin you do. And Jesus is going to give you everything you need so that your heart will celebrate Yahweh saves. Jesus. And Jesus is that means by whom God turns His people's hearts back to Him. Trusting Yahweh saves. Trusting Jesus is the answer to your most important problem. Your heart needs to be turned back to the Lord. Pretty much all the time. Yes, Christian, I'm talking to us. Our hearts need constant reminder that Yahweh saves. And that He is God. And that He turns our hearts back 
to himself. So the Lord, Yahweh, proved that he answered Elijah's prayer by sending fire on the offering. But more importantly, Yahweh proved that he answered Elijah's prayer when God turned the hearts of the men and women who were gathered there, thinking that they were going to see Elijah roasted on the altar of Yahweh. He turned their hearts back to himself, and they executed 450 prophets of Baal. That's the greater miracle. Turning these stubborn, willful, thick hearts back to the Lord. Now, doesn't need hopefully to be said, but the people of God today carry no such sword. Victory today is not in executing the prophets of Baal, but it is when God's people crawl out of our little dens of self-centeredness our little hovels of consumerism. And we engage those who are around us with the love of Jesus. You and I reveal that God turns His people's hearts back to Him when we love those who are out there the way Jesus loves. When we care about people enough to show them the absurdity of what they are thinking and feeling. Paul says the weapons of our warfare are turning lying arguments, like those of Nerol, on their head. And Jesus says that they will be convinced we are Christians by our love for them. So, In your sanctified imagination, as you are thinking through what is going on in Elijah, feel the weight of this victory. Feel the weight of God showing Himself to be God and turning the hearts of His people back to Himself. You know what? Praise Jesus. It worked. God's people responded the way they should have. The victory is that God's people know that God is God. And today, you can allow Yahweh saves Jesus to turn your heart back to Him by intentionally recognizing in your life the Lord. He is God. Wherever you are. So this victory that the fact that the Lord turned His people's hearts back to Himself is what unites chapters 18 and 19 of 1 Kings. The Lord, at the end of 18, when this great thing happened, is not done demonstrating Himself to be God. No, now He needs to prove that He can turn Elijah's heart back to Himself. And maybe He needs to prove to you that He can turn your heart back as well. And so we turn to 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of those by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, Elijah was expecting a victory parade like they're going to have in Los Angeles in about six weeks after the Super Bowl. Instead, Elijah got a death sentence. 
expecting everyone's hearts, namely Jezebel's, expecting everyone's hearts to instantly repent and turn to Yahweh, Elijah was bitterly disappointed. And so, he was scared. Now, disappointment is what happens when our expectations don't match reality. And the solution to disappointment is to trust the promises of God for you in Christ. And had Elijah done that that day, he wouldn't have expected everyone to turn instantly, but he would have known that God guards him nevertheless. Look, my friends, to the promises of God for you in Jesus when you are disappointed. And one good reason, Ed Welch reminds us in his book, When People Are Big and God Is Small, he says, God's goodness to us is always close. And we need to practice seeing it. God's goodness is not always easy to see. God's goodness is obscured by our disappointments in the world around us. God's goodness is obscured by our sin. God's goodness is obscured when we refuse to know and then trust and share the promises of God for us in Christ. You must practice seeing God's goodness. Now, this sermon, this episode from the life of Elijah is all about practicing seeing God's goodness when it is clouded by circumstances and relationships that are painful and disappointing. (laughs) Which all of us are going to suffer through for the rest of our days on this earth. Elijah, here in our story, fled 130 miles to the south. Wasn't good enough, though, because Jezebel had spies there because her daughter-in-law was the queen of Judah. So, Elijah felt the need to get out of Dodge again. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough! Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him. I think he actually kicked him. (laughs) And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise, eat. He looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. See, after all this, Elijah was a defeated man. Elijah proved to everyone that he was a genuine prophet of Yahweh. Elijah called upon the Lord very publicly and got a very public reply from the Lord himself. Elijah called on God's people to serve Yahweh and God's people responded. (laughs) That's a miracle in itself. Elijah spoke directly to the king of Israel, and the king complied. Elijah and a faithful servant responded in a way that may have been miraculous all by itself in running 130 miles in about a day. So naturally, after all this, Elijah was a defeated man. So he found a broom tree. He went and sat under it, and he asked God to kill him. 
Now, I've been working as a pastor for 20 years. And I have had many, too many, opportunities where the people of God have come to me and said something like, Oh, Lord, kill me now. Perhaps some of you have been there. Perhaps some of you are there. You can take heart because God will not leave you under your broom tree. You can have hope because your God will meet you where you are when you let Him. Suffering physically and emotionally can be great. Too great for us to bear on our own. So we need to learn from Elijah. Rest and refresh. God sent an angel here to help Elijah sleep. He gave him some food and some drink in his belly and then he slept again. He rested and then he refreshed. And to be honest, in large part because of this story, I have found one of the techniques I use for defeating temporary depression in my own heart. If you're ever somewhere around Santa Maria, California, and you see me at a Mexican restaurant, and I'm all by myself eating a burrito chili verde and a Coca-Cola, just turn around, pray that God would speak to my heart right then. Because that's what I need. I'm also probably at the same time thinking, when can I go home and get a nap? Because I know myself, I know how I work, and I know that I need to stop, I need to rest, and I need to refresh. By the way, another thing that I do when I'm temporarily depressed is I ask around, I find out who's in the hospital, because I know that if I go visit them, I'll be reminded how good I have it. And I won't feel so sorry for myself. This combination of resting and refreshing is a powerful one-two punch for dealing with temporary depression. Now, your means might be a little bit different other than, you know, burrito chili verde. But find a way to get this strength and rest for yourself. Rest and refresh. And I'm compelled to say, this is for temporary depression. Alcohol, sugar, drugs, these are not a means for escaping depression. Food, in your case, might also be something that is dangerous for one reason or another. This is where trusting in the promises of God for you in Christ and trusting those who know you and love you and know Jesus and love Jesus will come into effect so that you can understand yourself and escape these bitternesses. But back to our text where we're going to learn one more step. Rest, refresh, and remember. Verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
Now I have a question. Do you see here when Yahweh rebukes him? He tells him, no, your list is hogwash. It is, it's not true. Is what Elijah said true? He had, in fact, been jealous for Yahweh. God's people had, in fact, forsaken the covenant. And apparently, at least, especially from Elijah's point of view, he was all alone. And as you will see in a minute, Yahweh doesn't say Elijah is wrong at all. But Elijah is also not alone. You can take it for fact that God plus zero is a majority. And when you align yourself with Yahweh saves, Jesus, though everyone stand against you, you are not alone. Christian, in Jesus, you are safe and you are loved. We continue, verse 11. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before God the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the sound, the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. I was once in Virginia and I was in a storm that had just been downgraded from a hurricane. That was impressive. I was in Utah once and Indiana a second time when we were in a storm that was so bad we literally had to pull off the road because we could not see beyond the end of the hood on our car. It was just raining so hard. Not going through it, but afterwards reflecting on it, you're like, that was an experience. You see how awesome God really is. But God usually doesn't talk like that. God usually doesn't speak to His people like that. No matter how much you wish He would. Instead, He whispers. And behold, there came a voice to Him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. The one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet, I will leave 7,000 Israel, all the knees who have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Again, we see Elijah, excuse me, God doesn't argue with his servants about his complaints. Nor did God, by the way, argue with Job about the legitimate concerns 
about how he had recently been treated. You will find, as true as your complaints are, God's not going to debate the merits of your complaints to him either. Instead, he's going to call you to remember. God does not speak to the issues of complaints at all. Instead, Yahweh reminds Elijah, you have a job to do. Remember. Remember the right things. Put out of your hearts the bitterness that the author of Hebrews tells us grows up and defiles many so that we lose our love for the people around us. And our eyes are blinded by our own bitterness. Remember who you are in Christ. And above all, remember what He has left you here to do. For both Job and Elijah, for you and for me, we must remember. We must remember Yahweh saves. Jesus is God. And Jesus turns His people back to God. It's not my works. It's not my jealousy for God. It's not my standing alone for the truth. And yet, nevertheless, we must trust the Lord by making an effort to rest Refresh and remember. If we will not engage in the means God offers us, we will not find the resources we need. We will be depressed. We will despair. We will be confused by why God seems to be so silent in my struggles. When we remind ourselves, when we remind our hearts of the promises of God for us in Christ as we find them in God's Word, when we remind our hearts of the love of those who are close to Jesus and to us, when we remind ourselves of our job, our, what the Lord has left us here to do by serving the body of Christ and reaching out to those who are far from Him, when, in short, we do those things we know we must then we will remember what we must and forget those things that drag our hearts into the depths of the sewer of bitterness. Rest. Refresh. And remember. Now, in case someone here is thinking, we are saved apart from works. This is true. But I'm talking to Christians. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about sanctification. And J.C. Ryle said this. He said, We are saved apart from works, but we are not saved apart, we are not sanctified apart from works. We are declared righteous apart from works, but we do not grow in Christ's likeness apart from works. Let me make this simple. Christian, you who are following Christ, choose to make him a part of your daily life so that he can see you can see where He is moving. Choose to include Him in the various aspects of what you are doing and where you are so that you can see that He is in fact active. Take the blinders off. 
so that this year you can see Him instead of your own bitterness. God gives us means to remember, and when we fill our time celebrating and fondling the things of the world, it ought not to surprise us that we forget the things of God. Remember. Remember. Remember the means that God has given the church so that we can draw our hearts close to Him. Prayer, Bible study, spurring one another on to love and good deeds, and reaching out to those in needs. All the things that your Sunday school teacher has been teaching you for years. Because after all, very often the Sunday school answer is right. One more lesson from this passage. God is not finished with Elijah or us. Rest, refresh, remember, and redirect Verse 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him, and he cast his cloak upon him. Now, I love the detail of that verse. It, it's just amazing that he's 12 oxen, he's with the 12th, all these details. is to show that the details of our lives are important. And every parent knows that you can only say no to your kids so often. The best way to get a child not to play with something that he shouldn't is to redirect him. And part of God's grace to Elijah, part of God's power to work kingdom purposes in Elisha's life and yours in mine, is that Yahweh redirects us. The Lord gave Elijah a job to do so that his eyes were off himself and back onto what he must do. In this case, Elijah appointed another prophet to stand beside him. Yahweh gave Elijah a teammate so that he wouldn't be alone and so that he could take his eyes off himself and put his eyes on making a disciple, making disciple. Now you obviously can't go and appoint a prophet. But you obviously can find someone to pour your life into, to share her burdens, to instruct and encourage her, to empower her to know God better so that the both of you will therefore love Him and trust Him more. This is the path for you to travel in 2019. Forget what is behind and press forward to what's ahead so that you will engage in the normal path Jesus uses to encourage you from your depression and dissatisfaction and bitterness. Allow Yahweh to show Himself as God by turning your hearts back to Him using the means He has given for generations. This is how we will know the Lord is God. This is how the Lord turns my heart back to Him when I have been blinded by whatever it is I am lusting and coveting after at that moment. And this is how God can do the same for you. Refresh, rest, refresh, remember, and redirect. You see, 
depression, discouragement, bitterness, confusion at the silence of God. These are all characteristic of our lives when we refuse to engage in the means that God gives us so that we will know Him better and therefore love Him and trust Him more. Now, again, I don't mean to be overly simplistic. There are lots of times when other things are at work. And so, what you also need to do is find people who know God and love Him and trust Him so that they can encourage you in your struggle. So that they can give you wisdom that is not general, but is very specific for you. The Lord wants to prove Himself to you as well as Job, Elijah, and even me. He wants to show you that He is God and that He moves in His people's hearts so that we will turn to Him and from worthless idols. So look to the birth of Jesus that we just celebrated. See where God put skin on. Look to the life of Christ where He won all the merit we will ever need. Look to the cross where He took the penalty for our sins. Look to the empty tomb where we see God the Father shouting Amen to everything God the Son did and said. Look to Christ seated at the right hand of the Almighty where we see the work of Christ is finished so that we can trust His promises. And don't look at those things that blind you from seeing that the Lord is God and that He turns His people's hearts back to Him. Oh Lord Almighty, we cannot do this except God the Spirit be working in us and for us and through us. God, I pray that You would do that work in us today. Lord, we need You to meet us here. And we need You to meet us everywhere we go so that we will not be led astray by the things of this world that are always blinding us. God, give us to know You so that we will praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.